corner where we examine all things crime, whether it be on the page, on the screen, on the street, or in the courtroom. I'm Matt Coyle, author of the Rick Cahill Crime Series, and I'll be your host for as long as it takes. Um, Those listeners who have listened to the show from the start are always waiting for when the technical difficulty will happen. Well, we've already had it. Hopefully, it'll be the only one we've had where uh, I almost didn't get my guest tonight on the show, and I almost didn't get on the show, but hopefully you can hear me out there. So, my guest tonight... Jennifer Wolf has a multifaceted resume. She's worked as a, and I hope I get this right, she's worked as a phlebotomist. No, I didn't say that right. She can straighten it out later. A <laughs> fiction writing teacher, a copywriter, and ran a concert venue before quitting to move to L.A., where she performed odd jobs in the film industry for a decade. She now divides her time between L.A. and Portland, where she lives with her husband and a couple of long-legged dogs. Watch the Girls is Jennifer's debut thriller. She also publishes Young Adult, fiction under the name Jennifer Bosworth. Welcome, Jennifer Wolf. Thank you, Matt. So you do you want to know how to, how to pronounce phlebotomist? <laughs> you know, here's, I, I do, but I'll give you a brief story first. I actually went online, I looked it up, you can go online for words, and they will actually, um, a, a computer will say it for you, and uh-huh. I was... I forgot, I put that on this morning, and I was going to um, go back to it, but then I was in the studio, and I didn't want to screw things up in the studio by listening to something else, and of course, we know what, hap- we know what happened there. But one, one last uh, thing about <laughs> phlebotomists, when you go to this, it, it puts you to a YouTube um, website where there's a computer-generated voice telling you how to say it, and on the side are other things that would maybe correlate to phlebotomists. And one of them is what the cast of NYPD Blue looks like today. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. But straighten <laughs> me out. How do you pronounce it? Phlebotomist. Phlebotomist. Which and Man, I also I got fired I got fired from that job. Which well, first of is, all, in a different interesting is. story. <laughs> you take blood, right? Uh, yeah, but I all I when I was hired to do it, I thought that's all I had to do was take blood. And I was, I was really good at the blood taking part. I didn't know I was supposed to be doing other things like uh, putting the blood in the, the centrifuge and doing a, a oh, really? number of other, <laughs> of other things. So, uh, yeah, so I got fired, but I did go to phlebotomy school and the, wow. uh, the students, it was just in like a weird basement in Salt Lake city. And, uh, the students had to practice on each other. Like we were just drawing each other's blood and some people were really bad at it. And I had to let them practice on me, which not great. That is not fun. <laughs> that is not fun. I give blood about every eight weeks. And I've actually, I had one time where the phlebotanist or however you pronounce it, I'm, I'm missing some syllable in there, but anyway, she couldn't find my vein <laughs> and just kept puncturing me. And when someone came up to help her, they said, Hey, you can. You don't have to stick around if you don't want to. And I actually got up. And <laughs> I, I checked it out because I had too many. Sticks. Yeah, you, anyway, you did the right thing. You, it's not about me. Right it's thing. about you. No. So I've, tell us I've, about. I do want to. Oh, sorry. Go I was going to correct one other no, thing no. from the bio. Uh oh. I'm not married anymore. <laughs> oh, congratulations! Neither so, am I. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> well, um, so I got. But I do still live in Portland. Okay. Do you, well, who got the dogs? I got the dogs. Five. Well, there you go. So it worked out for you. Um, I got this <laughs> off of uh, off of Amazon, I think, and uh, you know, wasn't updated. But uh, I should have. Well, yeah. I, I never, I never asked a guest that you're still married. But um, anyway, <laughs> things happen in life, and you got the dogs, so you won. Yeah. 
It's great. So <laughs> this is a good start to a show. So uh, tell us <laughs> a, a little bit about Watch the Girls, which is a very interesting book, and your debut thriller. Yeah. Um, yes, it is. Uh, so Watch the Girls is about a washed-up former child star named Liv Hendricks who um, crowdfunds a web series in which she poses as a real-life detective, and she, you know, she solved the mystery for her highest backer. So, and the man who ends up funding her series sends her to this small town in California where uh, several horror movies with a cult following were shot, and it also happens to be where four young women have gone missing. So, That's right. Very, very spooky. <laughs> Yeah. But it's not only it's yeah. not only spooky. It's actually there's a lot of humor in it. Um, there's a lot going on. There's a satirical look at the modern world's obsession with celebrity culture, uh, mysteries in the past and present, family dynamics, and a bit of horror. Oh yeah, and there's wolves too. Mm-hmm. There's wolves. <laughs> there so wolves. did you did you set out to write a book touching on all these different uh, aspects, or did they, some of them kind of grow organically as you were writing? I. Uh, some of them grew organically. It actually, um, in the first version that I wrote, she wasn't a child star. She was just a washed up actress. And I had a whole other backstory for her, which when I ended up revising it, just, it was too complicated. And I got some really good advice from a, an author friend of mine who read the book. And she, she just said, just simplify the backstory. And so it just made sense to have her like, have grown up in, in Hollywood because I wanted it to tie in with um, this horror movie director and for them to have a connection. And so uh, Simplify the Backstory just ended up being like connect these two threads within the story. So, well, I think it was a wise choice because I think the, um, the fact that she was a child actress and, and now she's at, on a lower run seemingly on the um, Hollywood career uh, makes it very interesting. Plus, it kind of makes it some of your chapter headings when you go from um, flashback to present day um, are very interesting with the little headers you have about Twitter followers and, and all that. Um, plus the weight, right? <laughs> the weight. Yeah, which is really, which is really good. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. She hit, she hits thirty, and it's harder to harder for her to keep the weight off. <laughs> And uh, I've I've heard when you hit thirty, that's what happens. I'm I'm not looking forward to it. But um, just about every time she eats something in the book, um, the calorie content is noted in parentheses, which is really funny. Um, plus, as I said, the story flips back and forth between real time and uh, her backstory. And that that she does, as as the story progresses, um, the the things she's been hired to do and post online. You start with a, she starts with a certain amount of um, uh, social media followers, and it's a story. Goes forward, she gets more and more, which is really really funny. But and, and obviously some commentary on, on life today. But I thought that the, right. the most poignant one was where um, she has eaten some pie and she um, forces herself to purge it. And there's a quote from the book which I think really kind of nails um, some of the younger people's situation in life right now. So she just purged the pie and it says, afterward I felt blessedly empty, both emotionally and physically. I thought that was really, uh, it was really sad. It was very sad and brilliant, but very sad. And, and well, did you mean that to be a commentary today? It was just a great line you threw in there. Yeah, I mean, I think anybody who's ever, who's ever dieted <laughs> um, has 
had that feeling of like there's a there's like a lightness that comes to comes with um, like getting rid of every excess, like uh, and just kind of being nothing. Um, and it is it is really sad. And and Liv, the main character in this, she's she's just so full. Of, she's so full of history. She's so full of torment. And there's something symbolic about just about vomiting <laughs> and and like kind of reducing it down to like everything that's in you, like let's just get rid of it. Right. Being blessedly empty emotionally, which is um yeah, you know, I've been there. <laughs> so so Watch the Girls is your first foray into thrillers, um, coming from a successful career in young adult. Why did you start decide to start writing uh, thrillers now, or is this just a one-off something you wanted to do? Um, no, I think this is this is more what I always wanted to do. I think. Also, I don't know if I had a, a very successful career in young adult. <laughs> I think part of it was that um, young adult. I, young adult was it was it was, you know it was my gateway. Um, it was the thing that got me in in the door. Um, uh-huh. But I think. Uh, it was a lot harder. It, like young adults, is a, it's a it's a hard place to navigate these days. Um, it's a newer industry, and I think it's trying to figure itself out. Like when you think about, you know, mystery and thriller has been around for so long. Like, you know, as as long as publishing has been around, and um, the young adult industry didn't really become an industry until. Um, until like Twilight blew up. Like there were a few young adult novels here and there, but they didn't really have a section that took over. Mm-hmm. I mean, now it has a section that like took over the bookstore, but um, so it's, it's still, it's still young and it's still, you know, they're, they're putting out a lot of books. Um, yep. But I think everybody wants to like find the next huge thing. And it's right. really hard to be, to not make it as that next huge thing, then you, you feel like eventually they're, you know, you age, your, your readership ages out. And mm. if you don't make that crossover market where adults are reading your books, then I, uh, you just, eventually you're just phased out of the, out of the game. So, um, mystery and thriller seems more stable. Go ahead. A lot of ways. Well, well, yeah, you'll find out. Um, don't a lot of, <laughs> Don't a lot of adults read young adult though? I know, I know. Uh, a lot of them, yeah. Quite a few that do. A lot of them do. Um, you know, one thing is that I think I, you know, for everybody, your time as a teenager is fairly limited. You have a few years when you're going through like the emotions and the um, right. the life experiences of a teenager, and when you start writing about adults you have a whole, like the whole rest of the life to talk about. And in some ways I just felt like I ran out of things to say about being a teenager. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to explore, you know, something more. And I, I do have like some young adult types of sections within Watch the Girls because I have uh, the chapters with Teenage Liv. Um, yeah. But teenage everybody. Yeah, and but I liked exploring where where she went in life, like what what her teenage life did to her as an adult, and I think that's always something that um, when I was writing Young Adult, I really liked to imagine what happened to these people, 
when they grow up and like what does the rest of their life look like after this, you know, the huge event that I would write about. Um, right. And Liv has this very big event in her in when she's 17. And I wanted to, like, I wanted to know what the rest of her life became. And, you know, I de- was definitely inspired by a lot of um, like Buzzfeed types of lists of, of like washed up huh. child stars and where are they now? <laughs> right. I was just looking at one of those today. So, so much rehab. <laughs> yeah. Um, but from what you said, it sounded like you were toiling away for a while before you got published, which is kind of the way it goes. How long did yeah. it take you to get your first young adult book published from when you first started writing? It was an idea to get published. Um, about 10 years. Yep. Yeah, that about, was, that's about the right the number. Same, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I think I got my first agent after about seven years. I, I went through a lot, a lot of, of phases with writing. Yeah, I, I didn't write young adult first. I, the first thing I wrote two epic fantasy novels that were each uh, two hundred fifty thousand words long, <laughs> and <laughs> and those didn't sell for some reason. I don't know. That's a surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know that uh, I didn't think about the, the practical side of, you know, how much it costs to print a book and that if you write a 900 page book, you're printing like three books. So um, after that, I moved to L.A. and I learned how to write a screenplay. And that was actually the thing that helped me publish a book because I kept writing about everything. Like I would put so many ideas into the books I was writing um, mm-hmm. instead of doing like the high concept thing where you, you write about it, an idea you can actually tell somebody about, like you're not, you're not putting every idea and every single thing that you can think of into one book. Um, so screenwriting, if I hadn't ever studied screenwriting, I probably wouldn't have <laughs> published when I did. I probably, it probably would have taken me another 10 years. Um so because I love I love to just like keep extrapolating and, and pulling in more and more ideas. So, well, I think that every um, first of all, I think a lot of authors it takes them a while to actually start doing the writing. I know for me it took thirty years. Um, yeah, and I so I think I think it's common for that first book for you. I put everything in there. I've I've been holding this stuff in for so long. I just want to spit it all out there, and that's not such a bad thing, um, you know, as yeah. long as you're editing down. But um, I think that's that's certainly common. And um, now you just try to now after a few books, you're just trying to find God. I need a subplot. I need to come up with something. Um, but I want to give the uh, <laughs> call in number. Um, I can assure you, no one will call in, but I may get a few emails. Um, people do listen, but they don't okay. want to call in. Uh, the number is 347-884-8266. If you have a better question for Jennifer than I have, which you probably do, call in 347-884-8266. Um, so going from – how many – you wrote four young adult books or three published? Um, I wrote two. Yeah, two okay. young adult novels. What am I looking at? And then um, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. I used to write under a different name. So my young adult novels are under Jennifer Bosworth, and I, I think there's probably a short story you're looking at that was published through, through Tor.com. I think it's actually two covers or something that they have on, on Amazon. Maybe. Oh, okay. Um, it might be. 
yeah, so, but I, I changed my name to Wolf, which is funny because I, I did that after I wrote Watch the Girls, and there is all this, there's all this wolf stuff in the book. There are many wolf motifs. And I thought, you know, like I, after I got divorced, I, you know, I, want, I knew I wanted to change my name to something that sounded more authorly. Uh, I wanted to do wolf. Good. It me sound crazy to like, like this book was coming out, has all the wolf stuff, and then I named myself Jennifer Wolf. But in the end, it was the name I wanted, and I decided to just do it and look like a look like a crazy person. It's a little creepy because in the back you talk in your acknowledgments <laughs> you talk about the parable, the parable of wolves too. So um, yeah, and plus you have uh, your writers group, some people, one person that I know. Um, yeah. he called, there's some wolf connotation there too, I think. Um, yes, we're, we call ourselves the wolf pack. <laughs> was that and other people in the group the have written about wolves. Uh, no, it was, that, yeah, that was before I changed my name. So, uh, but I've always been obsessed with wolves and I, I'm like the, the person who has a bunch of like wolf art on the walls, like cool wolf art though. Not like three wolf moon wolf art. <laughs> <laughs> no wolves playing poker. No wolves playing um, poker. I did. I did. Uh, you know, one of the things in the in the book, you know, there's like the the wolf sanctuary in the book, uh, yep. which was based on a. There's a town in um, in like not too far from you called Julian. I just call yep. it Pie Town because it's just all pie, <laughs> and like pie shops, and and if there's a wolf wolf preserve there. And after I visited that town, that was when this idea, like the setting for this started to formulate for me. Oh. It was kind of a combination of Julian, California, and Solvang. You definitely, the, uh, you, you get a, it's definitely, obviously it's, it's named in California, but you get a little bit of that Solvang feel to it. Um, did you yeah. visit the Wolf Preserve when you went to Julian? I did. I have some oh, wow. pictures from that. I didn't get to interact with the wolves. Like you couldn't go in and... Uh, I, there are some where you can like actually go in and like hang out with a wolf and pet it. Um, wow. Which is not one of those, but there were some. They're like the wolves were huge. You sometimes you you think like oh yeah they're probably the size of a husky, but they were they were bigger. They were huge wolves. They are they are really big. It's uh, a little frightening because they got those eyes. They got the eyes. They stare you down. Um. So something really cool just happened that I don't know if it happens to you every day, every book. Um, you got a shout out in People Magazine um, under their little thriller, um, summer thrillers in their book uh, yeah. section. Yeah, well, that's that pretty freaking cool. Or is it just like, a surprise. Not every day. <laughs> Pardon me? That was a surprise. So you had no idea that that was going to happen? Well, I just, I had no idea that, you know, I, I think I go into um, publishing now with like really low expectations of any, right. like if anything good happens, I'm ecstatic. <laughs> and so when something really good happens, it's just like, how, like, how, I don't, I don't get it. Um, but it's a great way to go through life. Just kind of like anything good that happens, be happy about it. <laughs> Right. So it's publishing publishing is a hard industry and and like you know, I don't know if I'll get anything like this ever again. 
and I want to appreciate it. I want to really relish it. Um, but the people thing is very cool. Yeah. Okay, I have to admit, I'm not a, I'm not a um, everyday consumer or weekly consumer of people, but when I'm in the line in the um, uh, supermarket, I generally do look in the book section, but I did not see this one. I have not seen this one yet. Is it out now, the people, or is it already out? I already miss it, because I saw it online, uh, yeah, actually. It, it is out. Yeah, it's the still out there? Sixth, it, it should still be there. Beautiful. Tom Cruise is on the cover. Oh, so That's you know that you're going to also get a yeah you're, you're going to get a great story about Tom Cruise, and you know there the the book section uh, is, is probably going to be the, the most important thing in the whole magazine. But Tom Cruise is second. It is for me. Um, <laughs> so that's a big get though because that's helped a lot of a lot of writers kind of blow up. So congrats on that for your debut Thank thriller. You. Thank There's you so a lot much. Of people listening. I, a lot of people listening that don't really like you right now, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so you said Hopefully your bio is not, I, I don't know if you lied about all of your biography, but it did say that you spent 10 years doing odd jobs in the film industry. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, it, is that a euphemism for something we can't talk about, or can you talk about some of the weird things you did? <laughs> uh, no, I did a lot of things. My So uh, along with learning how to write a screenplay, I I did like craft service. I did wardrobe sometimes. I did. Oh wow. uh, I'd produce. I'd produce some things. Um, I wrote some music videos. I wrote short films. I wrote some short films wow. that nobody should ever see because they were just for fun. And well, now really they're looking them up. I they're not under my name. My, they're not. Hello. Do we lose you? Hello. All right. So it happened, folks. We uh, we got the um, technical difficulty. We hoped we weren't going to get again. Let me see if I can call um, Jennifer. Can you hear me now? I hear you now. What did you do? Was it me? Okay. I'm back. I don't know. All right. Good. Good. I'm back. Thank God. Um, so how do you go from working craft <laughs> services to all of a sudden you're producing stuff? I, it was, it was basically, you know, if friends needed it, um, I was going to do it. And I, I also, so I did, um, a book trailer for my first book struck and that I, I had to basically produce that because nobody else was going to do it. So, um, so, and I've, I've learned how to like break down a script and it's, it's very helpful because I still, I still write screenplays and, one thing I think a lot of people don't think about when they write a screenplay because they want to do like something epic, they want to write like their own Mission Impossible, is yeah. that you know you have you have budget restrictions <laughs> and yeah. if you write something right out of the gate that is has like 50 different locations and tons of like wardrobe changes and it's like a huge cast right. of characters, it's not gonna that's not gonna be made. Like you could, it might be a writing sample that could get you a, a writing gig, but it's not going to be made into a feature. So, um, I recently had my first feature produced, and it takes place entirely within a confessional booth on a college wow. campus. Cool. And it's got it's got nine different characters, but they're 
they're all in one place. So there are no company moves. There are no setups there. It's just, it was like a micro, micro budget. And that's the reason it could be made was because <laughs> it takes place in one, actually in one room. So, um, but it's a, that was a really challenging script to write because the entire thing is, almost the entire thing is done in monologues because people are confessing wow. to the camera. They're not, there's no dialogue for the most part between two different characters. So um, filling, you know, 85 pages to 85 to 95 pages with that is, that's tough. And that's, that one is a, also a thriller. So and it's called confessional. It's a thriller. Yeah. It's a, a thriller it and a confession. Takes place after a like through. a, yep. <laughs> so the, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's got a its own kind of menace to it, but it is um, people who are summoned to confess because they are involved in this the death of two students, and so um, you're you're hearing them confess what they know, and they are basically being blackmailed to go and and tell what they know about the death. So uh, it was an interesting. An interesting process, really hard script to write, but really cool, very cool experience to be on set and be your, be one of your babies made into a real thing. Good. Can only imagine. So you said this is being produced, or it was produced? Yeah, it was produced. It shot in March, so hopefully okay. it'll be done uh, pretty soon. And, and will it? So you said it's a feature. What constitutes a feature? So does that mean it's going to be, we're going to see it in theaters, we're going to see it in small release? What are we, how are we going to see it? Are we going to see it online? How are we going to see this movie? Uh, feature, is just, is a feature film is just a length. Um, length. So it's basically like if it has a runtime of more than 85-ish minutes, uh, then okay. it's a feature. Um, this, so it depends on what the people who produced it want to do with it, if they want to sell it to Netflix, if they want to, like, take to film festivals and try to find a distributor. Um, uh-huh. That's how, that's how the, you know, basically like all the streaming services are their own distributors now, but um, yeah. you can also sell to an independent distributor or you could sell to like Lionsgate or some, you know, anybody who will buy it. I, I basically like somebody should just buy it. And then we all, we all have more money. <laughs> No, that's fantastic. Well, um, more money Netflix than we know what to do with. <laughs> oh, really? You have more money to know what to do with? Yeah, maybe like go out, going out, go out to a nice dinner, money. <laughs> okay. Like once. <laughs> all right. It sounds like some of the advances I get. Um, yeah. All right. So uh, we do have a lot of writers in various stages of the careers who listen to the show, even though there's constant technical difficulty to hang in there. Um, so can you talk a little about, a little bit about your writing process? Um, yeah, I, you know, my writing process has changed in one pretty significant way over the years, um, which also had to do with uh, a pilot that I, I was writing my first pilot and I'd never written a pilot. So I've, I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, and one of the producers that I was talking to said, um, said something about how I need to think about what was going to make this series now. And I didn't really get what that meant at the time. But after I 
uh, I wrote a version of Watch the Girls, and it went on submission, and everybody rejected it. And but there was one editor who really liked it, and she wanted to buy it. Um, but she she gave me notes to revise, and I the most important note she gave me was just asking me like, what what's the takeaway? Like, what do you want people to think about mm-hmm. after they've read this book? And because it was muddy at the time. It was, you know, it was, um, I wasn't sure what the point was. And so that, that one thing has become kind of the cornerstone of my writing process. Um, I don't know if people would call it theme or like your point of view as an author, but it's the thing I think about most now is like what I want people to think about after they've read the book. And that's kind of changed my writing process because I I try to make things more relevant now. I don't just write whatever it is that I like, whatever it is that is, um, you know, like this would be a fun thing to write. Um, mm-hmm. I try to think about, like, how is this topical? Like, am I... Am I answering a question people are asking? Am I am I addressing something that people are talking about? Like even if it's, you know, if even if I were writing something that was like historical, which I would probably never do because I hate research. But um, Me too. finding finding some way to make it fresh and make it new is is like a, a really big challenge. And I think for me, kind of being a part of like this social conversation that we have online, in the news, in media, um, that, in, that informs my writing process a lot now. So um, as far as like the, you know, the actual day-to-day writing that I do, um, I don't think my process is, is very different from, you know, I, I write when I can and when it, the more inspired I am, the more I write. And so um, having like, um, having something to say is the thing that inspires me and I felt like writing Watch the Girls and especially once I revised Watch the Girls I felt like I knew I knew what I wanted to say with it and I and that made it something that I could stay passionate about throughout the process so I think you really you certainly hit the mark in terms of relevancy for things people are talking about now Um, so does that help inform you of your next idea or does your next idea come and then you think, how can I, by this time this is over, how am I addressing today's realities? Yeah. I mean, I am experiencing that right now a little bit. I, I wrote a whole draft of a new book that I, I am now like I'm at the end of it and I feel like there are all these books that are coming out that are basically kind of the same thing. So now I'm in the in a place of like I don't know maybe I maybe I missed uh, missed the boat on that but um, I I still I'm still thinking about like I don't I don't want to follow I don't want to follow a trend in publishing but I do want to talk about something that you know people are worried about or that's disturbing like about our world now and. Mm-hmm. So reading, reading like any kind of news stories that are more human interest or yeah, even like a lot of true crime podcasts get into uh, kind of really, really relevant issues with like women as 
as victims and um you know violence against women is is probably one of the things that feels most relevant right now um mm-hmm. and so delving into that and and kind of trying to find a, a an interesting angle on it um but kind of finding the thing that scares me most about it um that's that's the thread that i follow but um well, yeah it's... it won't always work won't always work <laughs> Well, it's a good thread because uh, Michael Connolly, a little-known author in the mystery industry, uh, talks about – he always writes about things that uh, frighten him the most, or he says he does. Um, all right, just a couple more questions. Um, I did touch upon your writers group uh, earlier because you did mention them in your acknowledgments, which is always nice. Um, how did you – because there's a, three or four published authors in there aside yourself. Is that right? Uh yeah, three published authors, and then two more who I'm sure will be published soon enough. One of them, who is the published author, is Nadine Netman, who has been on this very show. Um, I and know. She's a very nice lady, as you know. She's a great lady. Um, so how did you get together <laughs> with all these accomplished writers and tell us um, the importance of a writer's group to you? Uh, so I, I knew I – knew one of the authors, Gretchen McNeil, she's a very successful young adult author. Um, I knew her. We, pub- we we published our first books around the same time, and she introduced me to Nadine. Another author friend introduced me to another um, young adult author in the group named Brad. Brad actually, Brad Gottfried, he directed the movie that I wrote and wow. was produced in March. So... I, but a lot of this was like, they're just, they're online groups for everybody, like to kind of, I would say like more support groups, but also groups for us to ask each other questions because a lot of the time people are afraid to ask their agents or their, even their editors questions. And so we, (laughs) we ask each other, um, but the way the group formed was, you know, after I, I knew all of the people that ended up being in the group, but um, I, this was when I, when I started writing my first thriller, I was like, I don't actually know how to do this. So I just posted on Facebook and said, does anybody want to be in a mystery thriller writer's critique group with me? Let me know and, you know, just be serious. <laughs> Like if you're yeah. if you're serious about writing, you're you're like you want to do this as a as a career. Like let me know, and it right. formed that way. And this was actually when I I still lived in LA at the time, and then within a, like two weeks of starting the group, I ended up buying a house in Portland and moving. So now wow. I Skype in, and they, I'm just a floating head in the group, and. Uh, but we're we're still really close, and I do think about us as like not just a critique group, but a, a support group. And you know, most of our I would say most of our meetings we meet every two weeks would be they're like taken up with just like how are we how are we all feeling like how are we doing? <laughs> mm-hmm. So but it's a therapy session as much as anything else, or, and like a gripe session. So, um, cool. but <laughs> for people who I want a critique group. I, you know, I think it's hard. Like I'm very good friends with my critique members and um, 
it, that can make it, that can kind of make it harder to give criticism. I think we all are on the spectrum between like di- uh, different levels of sensitivity. And um, mm. so we, we kind of like, sometimes we piss each other off and sometimes people get their feelings hurt and as we're all adults. So we just <laughs> kind of have to get over it. But um because the, the well, friendship is more important than, you know. If you're going to improve one, as a writer, you have, kind of you know, if you're going to improve as a writer, you have to get over it. I mean, um, you know, it's yeah. I, I'm sure with your group, especially with all the published authors you have in there, the the work is always the thing, and the the importance of making everyone's books better comes first. If people get their feelings hurt, they'll they'll snap out of it. They'll they'll usually the group I've been in I've been in group for like 15 years. It, um, Sometimes I'll think these people are full of shit. They don't know what they're talking about. And then after a day, I'll go, oh, yeah, I, I see what they meant. And then, you know, fact, yeah. more than half the time, they're right. And then you get a little remove and you see, okay, yeah. And it's all about the – and it, I, I actually don't – I've been with some of these people for a long time, and I, it doesn't – I don't think it bothers any of us to critique each other's work kind of deeply because it's we've been together so long and we do know it, it is all about – making the work better anyway that's that's my little um yeah no and i i by 15 years is a is a good run i think my critique group has been together for about four years at this point um Mm -hmm. and you know i i think there there have definitely definitely been times when i i got off the skype call and just like hung my head and cried because the notes were hard they're hard to take but the next day after you let things sink in, it's, it's just all very useful. And I think, you know, for if I'm giving advice to other writers, um, I think it's it's helpful for people to know what they're doing right because sometimes exactly. you, don't, you don't know. Right. So, you know, if you do like right. the sandwich technique where you say like, here's something I like, here's something that you could work on, and then but but you're doing this great. Um, because if I think I've done every like I've just created a giant you know dumpster fire, mm-hmm. I I feel like I I just feel defeated and like I can't I can't do it. But if I feel like there's one thing I did really well, then I can I can listen. Like I, I think there's like a certain white noise that happens when you start getting too many notes all at once and not hearing anything good, and you just like you can't take it in sometimes. Right. Well, here's uh, – I have a solution for the um, feeling defeated and crying. Just make sure you're the last reviewer each time, and then you just – whatever they've, – they've pissed you off, you just attack their work even harder. So that's what I do. Oh, yeah. Revenge. Yeah. It's, very, it's very healthy, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's very healthy. But you actually answered um, – you actually answered my last question, which is what advice would you give to aspiring authors, and you just gave it to us. So my last question is – what is next? Because you're pretty um, busy. I, yeah. You know, Watch the Girls may have a sequel if the audience reads it wants one. So um, it's definitely something, it's a it's an idea that has legs, I would say, um, or as they would say in the film industry. Uh, but, and I would love to write another book. I love this main character. I've never had... I, I've never had the character come to me before the story, except in the case of this book. And she just kind of landed in my brain fully, fully formed. Um, so 
hopefully that's what I'll be writing next. I'm writing another thriller right now. Um, and I'm writing a horror novel as well. And uh, also a horror screenplay. So I'm working wow. on a bunch of stuff. But I can't expect which one will, will actually be the, the next thing that you can get your hands on. I'm not, I can't say yet. Wow. Writing uh, two books at one time. It's beyond my abilities. Well, it might be beyond mine too. <laughs> we'll see. We'll find out. Um, well, thanks for yeah. coming in to the corner. I really enjoyed this. I think our, our listeners did too. You gave us a lot of interesting stuff. And go out and buy the book, watch the girls. It's really well written, and we already talked about all the different things it touches upon. And um, I really enjoyed having you on. Thank you. I enjoyed it. This is so fun. I want to do. I want to do a million more podcasts. That's great. Well, you're not gonna, you're not going to do with, many more with me until your next book comes out. So. I got to write another one so I can you invite me back. You can always call in too because uh, you know we had so many callers today. We need some more. Anyway, I really appreciated okay. it, and, and uh, congrats on the, the people thing. And I have to go out and buy the damn People magazine with Tom Cruise on the cover. I don't really want to do that, but I did. Although I did, ex- <laughs> you have to. I did. I did find someone, had, one of your friends, had posted about your the thing in People magazine, and I was able to expand the picture on my um, phone. And I actually read the blurb already, but I'm going to buy it anyway, even though you're not going to get a piece of the action. I'll go out and buy the People magazine. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You bet. It was this a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Have a good night. You too. This is a copyrighted podcast solely owned by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Um, be on again in a couple months. Not exactly a couple months. A couple weeks. Not exactly sure of the guest yet, but we'll have a good one. Thanks and have a good week.